All right, guys, it is Monday, and we are here to talk about doing deals and how to work with realtors. And for those of you that don't know me, my name is Rick Ginn. I am the Rick and Flip with Rick. And you guys know I work with my son, Zach. And we get together, we do six lives a week. So you are on my channel right now, Rick Ginn. And today, we are going to talk all about on how to do wholesale deals with realtors. And a lot of you don't know this, but this is how I made my primary start in wholesaling. And I actually, <laughs> I'd like to tell you I did it on purpose, but I actually did it by accident. So if you want to include and work with realtors, which you should, I know they can be difficult and stuff like that, but I'm going to explain how we got in this position and why we have such tension with us and realtors. But if you guys are just joining me now, do me a favor. You have the comment sections. Let me know what market you're in. I go live on Monday night. So those of you that don't have a chance to speak to me, get a full opportunity. So, and I do this channel so you guys can get to know me a little bit better. And what I'm going to do right now is put up the, let me put it on here. One on one link. If you guys want to join on a one on one link. I'm going to paste it in the comment section here if I can get it here. And that's the way to do it. So here's what we do. I take about 20, 30 minutes. I'm going to go over on how to work with realtors. Guys, this one's like really important. It's going to help you out a lot. And you guys are going to use the comment section. You're going to announce and let, let us know what market you're in. Um, any information you want to share. And then if you want to join on a live, just click that link. I put it in the comments at 504. And we have a chance to talk and help you out with wholesaling. Now, the really cool part is I don't have to charge a dime for any of this. And if you're wondering, like, this, dude, this guy lost it. I am a wholesaler of 21 years in the South Florida market. And I love this business. I taught my son this business while he was in high school. I taught him how to earn 100 grand. And I said, why not just teach everybody how to do this? Because we're in a new age of learning. Uh, between YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and everything like that, why not just give everything out to you guys? I do the complete opposite of what every other guru does. Why? Because I believe in you guys and I want to help you guys out and I don't need coaching money. I just choose not to because how can I sit here and tell you don't trade your time for money, but if that's the exact thing I do to earn most of my income, I'm nothing more than a hypocrite. It's just the truth. But if you want to go out and get coaching, I don't charge for it. So go over to freewholesaling.com. I'll put the banner up below here. And what do you do? You just give your email address and that's it. You're in. You're going to learn how to make 100K, get your first deal, and you're well on your way with that. So guys, make sure that you smash that like button, put your comments below, and make sure you are subscribed to the Rickin channel. Now, you're probably saying, what's the difference between this channel and all the other channels? So let me give you just clarity. We have the Flip with Rick, which is the channel me and my son actually run our uh, joint venture of wholesaling. We run a seven-figure operation, and we flip properties, and we share our successes. We share everybody that's come along the journey successes, and we show you over and over on how to do this and why gurus want to charge you a fortune what they think is a secret, and I'm here to make the whole thing public. I don't care. I think it's ridiculous. I had to pay gurus back in 2003 and four to figure out this business, and the reality is 
probably more than 80% of them just did everything they could to rip me off and nothing's changed. They're doing the exact same. If anything, it's even 10 times worse now. So guys, if you want to do a paid course, knock yourself out. I don't provide it. I provide you a hundred percent free. And from what the feedback I've got is 99% of you say me and Zach's content blows the other stuff away. So, um, if you're getting a coach cause you think it's going to make you more accountable, I'm here to tell you once you pay them, you're just a stat and a number. Um, I don't think they really care, but that's just the truth. And that's just me. So without further ado, um, I'm checking the comments here and I'm going to jump in. Um, what's up, Roger, Olivia, Dubtown, Joseph, you guys know where it's at. So I appreciate you guys and let me jump into it. So we're talking about how to do deals with realtors. And I know a lot of you are going to say that's nuts because realtors fight me on everything. I'm here to tell you, you have to change. Roger, the link is uh, at 504 on the comment. Just look under the Rick Ginn thing. You have to change your, your thinking on how you work with realtors. And so the first thing you have to understand is let, let's just get it out of there. Hold on. Let me clear this. No, that's correct. Um, realtors versus wholesalers. You guys hear this all the time. If you want to make a comment on this, I would love to hear it. This debate's been going on ever since I started. Okay. It's like, ah, and everyone thinks it's like a fight. It, to be honest with you, it is a feud. So, uh, what's that famous feud? Um, they did an entire TV show. And actually, I loved it, but this feud has been going on probably since it came predominant in the nineties. Okay. It, from the eighties and before wholesalers were really not even known. It was like a secret little weapon. And I'm telling you for the last 30, 35 years, there has been a massive war waged and who is winning. I, I'm, well, it depends on which side you ask. So that's how a feud works. Realtors strongly believe that wholesalers take food off their plate and cost them commissions, hands down. And then wholesalers believe realtors, all they want is full price and all they're ever interested in is listing a property, not truly helping out the homeowner. And there is some truth on both sides of that. Let's just be honest with you. So what we need to understand is how do we work with real realtors without getting killed? And that's what I'm here to show you today because God knows I got the scars for this one. And so if you understand that the realtor wholesale wholesaler feud is there, I'm going to tell you how to avoid it. So I, we can't change an entire industry's opinion of us. So you can only do it of yourself. So you know, in the feuds there, number two, 95% of all real estate transactions go through a realtor. If you understand that, that is the power in working with a realtor. Now, we don't want to do 100% of all transactions on the market. Actually, quite the opposite. We're usually focusing on 3 to 5%. But understanding that 95% of human beings that own properties choose to work with a realtor, if you understand that stat, you are will be open to working with realtors. It's really important to do that. If not, you're missing out on 95% of the market. Now, what you're probably saying, well, Rick, 
Realtors only deal with the nice, pretty houses. I'm here to tell you, they deal with train wrecks all the time. The difference is they don't know how to deal with them and you can't just list those properties. So I'm going to walk you through on how to work with a realtor if you want to do a wholesale deal and hopefully I can open your mind on it. But if you just do that, I'm a wholesaler and, and try to run over the realtor, you're literally going to waste your time. So you got to change your mindset and how you talk to these realtors because Every realtor thinks every wholesaler should be licensed, which I think is an utter joke. And so if you can talk to the realtor like you're an asset to them, someone that can help them out, as opposed to a competitor, you'll actually get somewhere. If you want to get in that, I'm better than you're better, you know, you take money out of my commissions, you want full retail and you're not licensed, you're never, ever going to win that argument. So if you understand that up front, it's much easier to deal with uh, working with realtors. So um, I've tried every way to work with realtors and the system I'm about to show you, it's kind of foolproof. It works really well. And remember, you have to speak from the benefit of the realtor first. So if you look at it like that and stop looking as a battle, you'll go much further. So the first thing we want to do, stop using the word wholesaler. Okay, it's a terrible negative connotation because NAR, the National Association of Realtors, is on a mission to weaponize the NAR, you know, the, this group organization, to try to ban wholesaling, um, or better yet, try to make sure every wholesaler has to get a license to become a realtor for something you don't even want to become, because that's how strong-arm organizations work. And so understand... Most realtors are brainwashed from NAR that wholesalers are bad. We ruin the industry. We destroy people's lives and we operate recklessly. So the first and foremost thing is if you're doing any of those things, stop or get out of the business. Okay. Every now and then there's a few bad apples that ruin it. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. It happens in all of them and we're never going to eradicate it completely. So the rule number one, when you work with a realtor is just eliminate the word wholesaler. Because it has a predetermined definition and it's very negative in the realtor world. So stop introducing yourself as a wholesaler and they will at least be receptive. If you say, hey, listen, I'm a local wholesaler. The minute they hear that word, they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. They told me in school about you wholesalers. You guys screw people. You steal little old ladies houses and like you wreck this business. And we know that's not the truth. But that's what they're told. So if you've ever dealt with someone that's been fed a bunch of garbage in their life, understand the best way to go around it is just use different words. So to this day, I am adamant about saying I'm not a wholesaler. And if a realtor asked me if I'm a wholesaler, I said, I'm not a wholesaler. I'm a problem solver. I'm a cash buyer. I take transactions that you normally struggle to get sold and I get them sold quickly and I meet all your expectations. Do you care to hear how we do it? And that's it. Guys, get away from the word wholesaler. It's like a four letter word. I'm just telling you, if you tell a realtor, they're going to go ask their broker and the broker's going to tell them to stay away from you at all costs and you're never going to get anywhere with them. So if the only thing you get out of our conversation today is do not use the word wholesaler, you are going to make tremendous strides in working with them. Ask me how I know this. I literally just went through this on training um, 
two of my marketing people, and that's what they wanted to do, introduce themselves as a wholesaler, and I'm telling you why it's a bad deal, okay? It doesn't mean wholesalers are bad, but it it has the same connotation if somebody tells you um, he's a used car salesman. What's your immediate perception? Sleazy, quick talker, will do anything to get a sale type of deal. And that's what the word wholesaler has come synonymous with any type of realtor organization. So just avoid it. It'll help you out tremendously. Okay. Uh, let's see. Now, the avatar for the realtor you're looking to work with. This one is critical. I'm here to tell you 90% of the realtors that you think you want to target are ones you don't want to do anything with. So I cannot control the mindset of a realtor. So I have to go hunt a certain type of realtor, create an avatar of the one I'm looking for. And I'm going to give you a quick cheat sheet. The ones I find that work best to work with investors, AKA wholesalers, just like me. Now, remember I'm using the word wholesaler as an internal conversation with us. Cause I know most of you are wholesalers or you're aspiring to be a wholesaler just outside of this relationship, even with your sellers, don't use the word wholesaler. It confuses people and you'll get a negative connotation if they look it up on Google. Trust me. So the avatar of the type of realtor, I would love to tell you, you just go out and find a hundred realtors and pitch every one of them. Don't do it because it's like beating your head uh, against the concrete. It's not going to work. So here's what you want to do. Number one is I like to find realtors fresh out of school that don't have a huge opinion of how we operate us wholesalers or I'm going to find someone that's been in the business a long time and just kind of wants to go on cruise control and likes the investor thing, but they can't do it themselves. Now I don't want to work with a realtor. That's already a pseudo investor because the obviously discrepancy, they're just going to keep whatever deals come across their desk and you tend to waste your time. So in the beginning I would go to local RIA meetings. Uh, it stands for real estate investor association and they go, hey, listen, I'm looking for an investor-friendly realtor. Well, I got them. But the problem is they're doing the exact same thing you and me are doing. They just have a real estate license doing it. And you're never going to get a deal from them. They're great to talk to. They're actually fun to network with. But let me tell you this. That type of realtor is never going to bring you a deal. Why? Because when it comes across their desk, they're going to take it down themselves. So I don't find going to RIA meetings very productive for finding realtors that want to give me wholesale deals. So how do I find these people? I'm going to give you a, like a little secret here. Number one, you can actually go online and in most of your state organizations, you can either download anyone who got their re, uh, realtor license in the last 90 days. You can do it as early as the last 30 days. Um, and there's even services for 10 or 20 bucks that you can get the entire spreadsheet with their phone number, their email address, and their name and everything. The really cool part about realtors is you get their email and you get their phone number. You never have to skip trace them because they're very public, uh, the nature of the business because they're licensed. So I would go out and chase all the brand new ones. And, and it's that simple because they're naive and they don't have a history of what goes on with uh, investors and wholesalers. And they're much more open to working with you because they're just desperate to get any type of deal. Number two, I find people that have been in the business 10 years plus, 10 years plus is critical and they're intrigued by um, investors, but they never want to do it themselves, but they would love to like 
find deals bird dog for you and they find it exciting to work with. And either one of those two are, in my opinion, the best fit. The ones that work independently with small like brokerage boutiques would usually work the best. The ones with a large like Remax and stuff like that, they're beyond brainwashed. You cannot work with them because they have a set way of doing things. And because they're giving up almost 30% of their commissions to your broker, they have to pay attention to them. So I want to find someone on a small boutique um, type of broker where they can kind of do what they want, but they still want to interact and work with an investor like me. So I'm going to either find them 10 years plus or fresh out of school. The ones in between. So if you go to Remax and you want to talk to like 10 agents, which is what I used to do in the beginning, you have to get past the broker and the broker is usually somebody with 20 years experience and they don't like wholesalers at all. And they read right through you and it's difficult and it's a very big pain in the butt. So for that reason, I don't want you to do that. So brand new ones or ones that are established that have interest in the investing space, but never want to do it themselves. So the next part of this, you have to create what I call relationship currency. It's the only way to get with your realtors. You are not going to build this overnight and you're not going to get it done in a week or two. You have to spend time. So what I try to do is just have a cup of coffee, maybe go get like a sandwich. Coffee is usually the best thing to do. Talk to them about the market, what's going on. And I make it all about them. That's it. I don't even bring up what I do. I just let them know I'm a cash buyer because they're going to ask up front. So once they tell me what they do, they'll tell me how many sellers they're talking to, how many buyers they're talking to. They'll give me intel on everybody in the office. And I work it up over time. After about 30 to 60 days, then if they've passed the snuff test, meaning this is a person I want to work with, they're open to talking to me. They're not completely brainwashed. The ones that are completely brainwashed by the brokers and like the Remax training and stuff like that, you're literally going to waste your time. So like the Century 21s, the Remax, um, like the big, big names, and they're all in an office there and they're paying like these max commissions to the brokers. Those ones never, ever, ever work out. So once I find someone that's a little bit independent like that, I meet with them a few times. The third time is, um, now I'm developing a relationship. And if you guys have any type of relationship, you understand relationships take time. They're never built in one or two sittings. Now, if you want to do this for the long term, if I meet with 10 realtors, usually two, maybe three move on to the next meeting. Why? Because some of them are just so anti anything investment, anything that's not listed. Um, everything's got to go through a mortgage. I am not going to pitch someone that's not open to what we do. You're wasting your breath. Save it for the people that you can actually work with. So this relationship currency is going to cost you 30 to 60 days of your time. But I'm telling you, if you do it right, they will feed you deals for the rest of your life. I've been doing this 20 years. I have one realtor that's given me over 70 deals. And I started out just the way I'm explaining it to you now. See, so many wholesalers want to run people over to try to get a deal out of them. And they overlook the basic part of how you do networking. Okay. So if you guys have never done networking and say you want to go to your, like your local real estate investors association meeting, the best way to do it is go in and ask what you can do to help other people out. How can I find you more buyers? How can I find you more sellers? How can I find you more contractors? 
But the reality is most wholesalers show up and they go, give me all your cash buyers. I need your cash buyers right now. Like they don't even say hello. This happens on to me on a daily, if not monthly basis. Once I know that, I know you're just a greedy person and you're only out for your own interest and I'm not going to do anything to help you out until you show a sign that you want to have a mutually beneficial relationship. Who wants to just provide information on the one side and you get nothing? Nobody. So you have to be the giving person up front to find if they're going to reciprocate. And if they don't, you move on. That's how you use the relationship currency. So this leads me to my next part, which is kind of the, the, uh, the bread and butter in it. The WIFR. Anybody knows what the WIFR stands for? Okay. So it stands for, it is just a little acronym. And I came up with it years, years ago. What's in it for the realtor? So you guys are used to WIFM, which is what's in it for me. So when you work with the realtor, they want to know what's in it for the realtor. And here's where you have to speak realtor language, not wholesaler language. And it goes simply like this. Mr. and Mrs. Realtor, it's simple. If you find a property that meets my expectations, um, it, it needs this, this, and this. Then what I want to do is go ahead and pay your commission when I buy it. And then at the event, if it works out, I would give you the first opportunity to relist the property when we go to resell it. Now, I never promised the latter part of it because if you're a true wholesaler, you don't relist properties. So I rather just pay them their full commission because if they know they're getting their full commission, they're going to help you get the best price possible. They're also going to give you the most important piece of information you can get from a realtor is their relationship with their client and they're going to have to tell you everything. If they do that, you cut your learning curve down by a month or two. Why? Because you're buying the relationship of the realtor so you can put in a cash offer to make it work. Hey, Rick, this house, um, there's two windows boarded up. It's covered in fleas and the AC doesn't work and the roof's very questionable. It's got two really leaky spots. I, I don't know what to do with it. And then I work with the realtor. Well, what do you think the property's actually worth if it was all fixed up? So I have them go ahead and do the comps. You know how I feel about comps. Have them do a nice, pretty analogy. And I go, listen, I tell you what, what if I could buy this, pay you your full commission and possibly have you relist the property? What do you think is a fair offer to make on this? Knowing I have to make a profit and I want to pay you twice. All of a sudden, it all shifts. They're going to tell you, well, the realtor, uh, they told me they would take 92000 if they got a cat, if they could get like a no BS offer. And then I kind of work backwards from there. You see, the difference here is I worked through the realtor instead of running them over with the cash offer. And that's the problem is because these realtors have already talked to the owner and they're basically their guard dogs. They have all the information chip. They have the relationship. So you're never going to have the relationship with the owner unless the realtor allows you to do it. Sometimes they want me to do it because it's such a train wreck, but other times they go, Rick, if you can just get me $100,000, I know they'll take this offer. And honestly, if the numbers work, I'm all in because they just saved all the drama. And very rarely does a deal with a realtor ever fall apart because the realtor does what? They wanted to close, so they keep the whole thing alive. So it's critically important that you respect the realtor and you work through just like I showed it. Like when you do it, you go, hey, what do you think it's worth in a perfect conditions? How much do you think the uh, damages are on it? And you can hobble with them and they go, listen, if you, 
if you expect me to make a profit and get you paid maybe twice on this deal, what do you think is a fair number to offer your client on this? Like a no hassle deal. You never have to show the property. We make it really simple. I get the real excited because they know what a challenge it is. They don't want to list these crappy properties because it's a pain in the butt to vet cash buyers. Most realtors, here's the truth. They're terrible at cash deals, especially houses that need fixing up. They don't understand how it works and they, they don't understand why people just won't get a mortgage anyways, which leads me to my last point. So we've got it. What's in it for the realtor? You've got to pay them their commissions and you got to make them feel important in it. And you want to use them to filter the relationship unless they invite you to take it over. So the last one is training and expectations of a realtor you work that works with a wholesaler. So number one, if you have the realtor call you on every listing they have or every customer they talk to, you're going to drive yourself nuts. Why? Because after about the 10th or 12th deal, the realtor calls you on you and you're not taking any action. You're just one of those wholesalers and you're wasting my time. So here's what you need to do instead of that. Sit down and take the time and tell them exactly what you're looking for and put it in layman's term. I'm looking for ugly houses that need lots of repairs that are very difficult to show. And if you have an out of town owner, that's even better. And we're going to fund it with cash, which solves all your inspection problems, everything else going on. And we'll make it a fast, quick closing. If you have someone like that or someone that really needs to sell a house fast and there's room for everyone to share in it, call me on that deal. And honestly, if you only call me once or twice a year, I'm okay with that. I don't want to waste your time. The number one complaint all realtors give about wholesalers is we waste their time. We, um, so when I started out, getting free comps was like the big hook in with realtors because we didn't have any online tools. So we actually had to go to MLS and you had to have a relationship with a realtor. Fast forward today, you don't need that nearly as much. Actually, you don't need it at all. So I want to make sure when they bring me a deal that I got a good shot at buying it. Because if they say they bring you three or four deals like this and you don't come through, they're just going to take you off the list. So instead of having them send you guys everything, narrow it down and tell them to send me your most tired, your weak, your poorest deals. That, Or maybe the deals in today's market, this is what I would add to it, you know? The ugly houses, the ones that need lots of repairs, the ones that are incredibly hard to show that you don't think are going to qualify for a mortgage. Oh, and also, if you have a listing that you've had on the market over 90 days and you just need to get an offer, I'll give you an offer. It might not be the number you want, but at least I can get you an offer for your client. By doing that, you solve two problems. Number one, you help them manage their client by even if you put in a low ball offer, the realtor has to take it to the client and it might give her permission to negotiate on your behalf to get a better deal, or maybe she or he can get it down to the correct listing price. So you actually do the realtor a favor. And number two, sometimes after 90 or hundred days, some sellers just give up and they want it sold. And the realtor wants it sold too, because they're tired of it. And they're not always ugly and bad houses. So the one thing I'm adamantly against, I'm just here to tell you is, there's a lot of people that sell you kits to uh, work with on market deals with realtors. I'm telling you as a true wholesaler to do an assignment agreement with a property that's on MLS is very difficult. The gurus won't tell you that. They'll just tell you a system to do it. Think about this. 
it is already on the market. Everybody sees the price. If you get a lower price and try to ask for a higher price than what's on market, you're never going to get away with it. If you did, someone's got to be just beyond stupid. Number two is you create a lot of challenges um, on the inspection period of bringing people through the property unless it's vacant. It's very hard. So the only exception I would make if the property is vacant and you have the realtor's permission, but most people who do these MLS online programs, they're, they're, they're basically lying to the realtor, which is just going to make it 10 times worse and gives all wholesalers a black eye. And number two, you stress the homeowner out. And then you stress the realtor out because they don't know what you're doing and they're confused. So I don't like doing it. And you have to make hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of offers. That's a lot of paperwork. That's thousands of pieces of paperwork for the occasional person that wants to talk to you. So I would just focus on doing exactly what train your realtors, give you me your tired, your weak, your ugly homes, the ones that need lots of repairs. Oh, and by the way, if you have something on the market 90 days or longer, let's talk about it. Maybe I can help you get to the point where, where you need to get it for the correct listing, or maybe they take my offer and I get you paid your commission and it's a win-win. But you see by doing this, instead of just going to the realtor and go, give me all, give me your best deals and I'm going to give you like 1% and I'm going to run your, I paid realtors as much as six and 7% on these deals. Who cares if I'm making a ton of money, who cares? Get the realtor excited. They should be happy. Because if they do the deal correctly with you and they get paid, you solve the problem, they make money, you make money, and then they come back to you. So most of my realtors that do this, they only call me two to three times a year, although they're calling me a lot more lately because the 90-day listing thing is becoming problematic, at least in the state of Florida, mostly the Southeast. So guys, that's it. You've got to train your realtors and set the expectations for what they're doing because the reality is if you ask them to bring you every deal and you don't buy every deal, they're going to label you as a time-wasting wholesaler and you do not want to be in that position. So um, I think that's it there. So uh, let me put this on here. Okay. So once again, if you guys are brand new to this channel and you go, hey, what's this guy? He's talking about wholesaling. But he's talking about realtors. You can go back and replay this video. We talked on how to work with realtors to get the best wholesale deals. And I got 21 years experience doing this. I know exactly what I'm talking about. So realtors do not want you wasting your time. And for that reason, go back to the previous 20 minutes and I go through the whole thing in detail on it. So if you're brand new to wholesaling and you want to learn how to do this, here's the good news is I can, me and my son can teach you absolutely 100% for free. Just go over to freewholesaling.com. You give your email address and I walk you through, we have 27 years total experience there. Hold on one second, guys. Sorry, somebody's at the door. Um, my office never stops. And we teach you how to, not only to get your first deal, but how do you get to, to your first $100,000 deal. And honestly, wholesaling simple, just, most investors make it very complicated. So, and gurus make it 10 times worse because they're charging up to 10 grand for the same information. That means that give you 100% for free. And not only do we show you how to do it, we go live six days a week and then we share the deals we do in our business. We share deals. We partner up with students and we try to create a community of wholesalers that truly want to do this business. I never say this business is easy, but if you want it, it is there for your taking. So, 
make sure you take advantage of that. Um, let me jump in the comments. Um, let me... So Young says his first two deals were on market, which is awesome. So I'm not saying you can't do on market deals. They just tend to be less profitable and there's more of a challenge with them. Um, the challenge being the realtor. And if the realtor doesn't know what you're doing, I find when you try to pull the wool over the realtor's eyes, you just piss everybody off. So it's if you think you can assign a property without the realtor knowing it, you're, you're in for a rude awakening. So just make sure you have an agreement up front. You're not wasting people's time. And yes, you can do a double close to get around it. But just keep in mind, if their client is living in the property to try to show that property, the realtor is going to go nuts on you. So just understand like that going up front. So um, that one-on-one -on -one link is up at five, at five minutes and four seconds. And it's under my name, Rick Ginn. So you can't miss it. So um, I think it's there. Let's see. Yeah. It's there, I promise you. I see it. So uh, let me answer a couple questions here, and then I'm going to jump online to help you guys out. So it says, uh, I have a Facebook user says, I'm thinking of getting my real estate license because, again, many realtors don't want to work with wholesalers or investors. Ugh. So I'm telling you, that's probably the worst decision just to get your realtor's license. Remember, getting your realtor's license makes you license to practice real estate as a bona fide realtor. It, it's all like one big coup to take your fees for uh, NAR, National Association of Realtors. Um, if you use the tips I just shared with you in the beginning of this live stream, it'll actually solve 95% of your problems. Being licensed, I, I don't know that that solves your problem because when a realtor really needs someone to help them out, they just got to make sure they got a solid cash buyer. They don't give a hoot if you're a wholesaler, an investor, a fix and flipper. They just want to know you have the ability to do what you say you're going to do. The license doesn't really fix that. If you think they're just going to take you more seriously because of the license, that's a valid argument. But man, that is an expensive hurdle to go through. And just so you know, when you come licensed, now you are liable to your state. You're liable to your broker. And anybody can tell on you for anything. And... That's the part I just hate about it. Like, I, I think it's just ridiculous because why would I want to get licensed as a realtor if I'm not going to be a realtor? So that's like me saying, listen, I want to license you as a, um, sir, uh, you go to law school to get your law degree so you can talk to lawyers. That's an exorbitant amount of like, it's just a lot of work. And guys, these licenses, they're making it harder and harder and more expensive and more follow-up education. I've been doing this 21 years, guys, without a license, and I've survived. I've done hundreds and hundreds of deals with realtors, and I never had a license. So it's up to you. I'm just giving you advice on it. So um, uh, Roger, 504. Okay, hopefully you saw it. Um, there you go. Nicole says it right. I was stuck at the tip of my tongue. The Hatfields and McCoys. So um, you guys can pick which size on who. I it's just the problem is if you bring it up and you get like the the word wholesaler triggers them, and the word realtor triggers a wholesaler. So just avoid the words 
and you're not going to have any issues with it. So, and by the way, there's a lot of really bad realtors out there too. There's a lot of bad wholesalers, but Hey, welcome to our new world here. Um, so Nicole says, where do we go to find brand new realtors? So number one, first start with your state, um, licensing agency. They sometimes share all this information online. I found it for free. Number two, there's companies for a very, very cheap fee, 10, 20 bucks. They'll give you every licensee. You know why? Because they sell this stuff to brokers so they can go out and recruit these realtors. So why not use the same strategy if you want to do that? Um, to be honest with you, that's how a lot of people find acquisitions people. Because if they're licensed stuff, it solves a lot of problems for it. But it you got to go through a lot of people to make that work. So start with your state licensing. And if not, just do a Google search for brand new um, real estate license list in your area. And um, they can narrow it down to a search. But it's pretty cheap even if you have to pay for it. But it's much, remember, you don't have to skip trace any of it. You get their cell phone numbers and everything. So even if you pay 20, 25 bucks for the list, it's really easy and it works. So um, let's see here. Uh, Luca. Hey, Rick, how do you feel about working with agents in Texas? I know it's a non-disclosure state, but it still works. It works just fine. It's actually more beneficial if you're in a non-disclosure state because they can even help you out more. Remember, you got to go for the whiffer. What's in it for the realtor? And stop going in what's in it for you. It's human nature to take and not give. So if you do it the opposite way and you think like a realtor, you'll get much further with it. And honestly, if you meet with 10 realtors, targeting the newest ones and like the older ones that are interested in investing, but they don't want to do it themselves. If I took 10, I might find two or three that will talk to me. It's just, but if I took a hundred regular realtors, it's really painful. So once I know like they have no interest or they don't understand how a cash transaction works, and that could be one of your qualifying questions. How many cash buyers have you worked with before? So if they've never worked with a cash buyer, they don't understand the benefit of working with a cash buyer. And you're going to have to have a deeper conversation to see if they're even open to talking to you. The one thing I've learned is once a realtor is closed minded and they don't want to talk to you, the wholesaler, there's nothing you can say to make them do it. Do not waste your breath. Just go find another realtor. I've tried and tried and tried and tried. I've gotten debates with it. I was younger. I used to have a little bit more energy. Do not do that same thing. I'm telling you, it does not work. Um, Let's see here. Let's see. So I have a Facebook who says, listen, I just started and already experienced everything you talked about. So the really cool thing, guys, is working with me, especially on this channel, is I'm sharing my 20 plus years of, of knowledge. And I'm telling you, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm going from experience. I'm not some kid that just started a year or two ago wholesaling. They're all about volume and just click this, sit on the beach. The reality is you got to go out and you got to work it. So I actually enjoy going out and work with the realtors. I do respect them. I work with some of the biggest um, realtors in my area because they know what I do. And they know I don't play around. And they only call me two, three times a year when I do. It's great. And then also, I take that same relationship with my realtors and I use it for their cash buyer base too. And it works really well. So once they're doing deals with you, 
they trust your numbers, it's really easy to sell them deals. And if they don't understand assignments, they're much more open to sitting down and talking to you with it. So um, good stuff. Uh, so Justin's got a question here. Uh, Rick, do you have a realtor take down the listing if you are working with a 90 day plus listing once it is under contract and you're looking for a cash buyer to sign it? So Justin, that's the tricky part of anything that's on the market. The realtor technically is bound to leave that on the market unless their seller instructs them to take them down. So it's not really the realtor's option, although most realtors speak on behalf of their clients, but this is the gray area that like you don't have control over. So if the realtor is going to follow like the MLS rules, they're going to keep it up there. I prefer they take it down just like you, but you can't make them. They could actually lose their job over it. I don't know how you lose your job as a realtor. If somebody can fill me in on that, I would love to hear. I, I think it's almost impossible because then NAR couldn't receive um, their dues every year. So I just think they uh, they financially penalize people here and there. So, um, okay. So let me jump on. Let's get some lives going here. And if you got a question, um, just go ahead and put it in the question box, and I will follow up with it. Let me clear this out. Uh oh, I got a spammer. Got a block. Okay, cool. Okay. I I don't understand like why people spam. Like, do they really? It's got to be a robot, right? Because nobody in their sane mind sits around and posts crap like that. So, what's up, Ann? How you doing? Hi, Rick. I'm laughing. It's unbelievable. I guess you're watching it now. So you guys know I'm a one-person crew sitting in a studio, and I got to watch when they put these comments up. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you know, I still think there's some very respectable young people that don't need to see stuff like this. But um, I can block thousands of people. They still pop up. So what's yeah, – I know. I, I try. I'm just like – but I, I – you know – Maybe I should charge some coaching fees. I could cover all the expenses to run this dang thing, but I'm fine with it. Yeah, I think that's about it. Charge a coaching. Yeah. No, don't charge a coaching fee because. No, I, no, I'm I fine. So once and I didn't get, you know, being new, you have so many questions. Once you pay for that course, they're not there. Like how you guys are here and you're doing this for free. They are not there for well, kind of, And the guys, think about this. Like I, I, I never like. So we do offer like affiliates, as you see scrolling across the bottom. Number one, I pay for all these companies I do. I have an account with number one. I've had them for years and I've tried them out and I would never operate my business without it. Number two, it's never a requirement to talk to me or work with me. I could care less if you have it or not. If it helps you out, dynamite. And number three, between YouTube giving us a little bit of money and the affiliates get a little bit of money, which would you rather do? Do you guys want to pay me and Zach or have other people pay so we can be on here with you? Yeah, exactly. And that's what you're going to understand because I do a business full-time outside of this. like, And I, I have multiple businesses outside of real estate and I actually enjoy doing this. So I, I've never found anybody. I challenge anybody on here. Find someone that's been doing wholesaling for 20 years plus and tell yeah, me if yeah. they have any type of presence on the internet. And the reality is they all burn out. Why? Because they all coach. And at the end, they all tell me the same thing. That coaching almost killed me. Why? Because they trade their time for money. Because the reality is there's a 95% failure ratio and it makes me sick to my stomach. Why is there a 
95% failure ratio because we oversell everybody on how easy wholesaling is. It's a piece of and cake, quit your job. It's not, I tell you up front. But if you want to do it and take the action, it will work. I don't know how long it'll take. Some people get it done in six months. Some people take years. It, it's just a forever changing market and everybody's market's different. And there has to be a, you know, what works in my market's not always going to work in your market, like right off the bat. So um, what, what can I help you out with? What's going on? Okay. Yes. I, I hopped on last week and I, I heard a young lady speaking and I had the same thing. I'm not quite clear. She was, uh, well, with my situation, the person has died, but there has been not a, hasn't been a death notice. Okay. And so, you know, I went down to the county, the courthouse and to look at the death certificate because they would let you, you know, see like the obituary part that she didn't have any kids and her husband has passed, but there has not been a probate because like our probates here where I'm at. You have to go by a number. It's not by their name. You have to go by, you have to have a number to start off with. And they are very stingy. So I'm just going to try to go back and get another person. But the, it's not in probate, but it's been vacant for two years. I was doing a driving for dollars. And it looked, it looked horrible. It's in a very nice neighborhood. It's like in a B neighborhood. Very nice. And the neighbors are not happy about it. They are yeah. not. Yeah. And so I'm wondering do you guys have a script like when we're talking to family members on, you know, trying to get the information like who's a trustee or who's paying a tax because the taxes are being paid on the property? Well, someone's but, paying them. Yeah, someone's paying them. So you they, found this on the driving for a dollar. How long ago? Last week, last week. And you're still trying to attempt to reach out to the uh, owner, the uh person in charge or the current owner, correct? Correct. And is the person on the deed, have they, are they deceased? Do you know that? Or are you just assuming they're, they're deceased? No, they're deceased. I looked it up because I looked it up because it, you know, when you look at the house, you can tell no one's living there. <laughs> you can tell that it's vacant. And uh, I looked it up and like you said, you can look in our obituaries and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I looked at that, that owner's name and she died in uh, 2019. She passed so, away. Okay. It's been, it's been a while. So, yeah. um, so you're probably asking me, what would you do in this current situation? So you, the person's deceased that's passed away and you're struggling to get in hold of someone that can make a decision on the property, right? Yeah. So when I get a hold of them, what do I, you know, say, because, you know, do I still ask, are they the owner? I know they're not the owner of that particular. So like, property. just, just simplify it. All it is, is a conversation. Okay. It's, it's a real sub. So listen, being that, you know, it's almost three years old. Yes. You're not going to get like the huge sensitivity blow up on it. So I okay. wouldn't worry about that, but you got to understand, like when you do driving for dollars, I want everybody to understand it's on this live is you get a bunch of leads and your natural tendency is to overanalyze every detail yes, of that's it. Me. So, you, so you've got to just adjust the way you think. Because here's the problem with it. And I've been doing this 20 years plus. I spent so much time in my first three years trying to analyze every detail to be prepared for every conversation I was going to have. And yes. I found out after three years ago, it's just exhausting. Like, Because if I talk to 30 leads 
only like three or four can I push that conversation along. Guess what happens with the other 25, 26? They just don't pan out. And then I spend all that energy researching all those things. And I just, I burn myself out. So here's what I'm telling you is don't look too deep into it. You just got to find someone to talk to. And you just, the simple common phrase is, do you have interest in selling this property? Like you don't need to go into details of who died and stuff like that. No, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not. I know it's not them. So do I just act? Are you the owner of, you know, two, three, three main street? Yeah. Are you affiliated with this property? You know, you're not, I wouldn't say they were the owner because you obviously know the answer to that. Right. But just ask, Hey, are are you associated with this property? Oh man. I'm so glad I got a hold on you. What, what's going on with it? And just let them answer it. And like, well, you know, we're going to clean it up, get on the market. They say something like that, like you're all in. But they might tell you, like, we're just going to keep it. And this is what I need to do. You just got to reach out to them to see if there's a connection. Do not spend time doing comps, doing anything. Just see if there's a connection. The best thing you could probably do is like skip trace it. So um, you just need to find the beauty about skip tracing. It will find their errors. And if you want to do it, so try to true people search. But like you can even do like a, a mini, um, like back in the old, this is how long I've been doing it. When I first started out, skip tracing wasn't even known. Like it didn't even exist unless you were a private investigator or, or basically a cop. So we would spend like crazy, like it was so expensive. These days, you guys can use like a, a uh, consumer-based products like um, Spokio. There's so many of them now. And you get a trial version and they're 10, 20, they're 10, $15 a month. And man, it'll give you a lot of information. So, okay, it's, so it's, well, that's good too. Cause I was going to probably just go with Zach data, just sign up with it because which uh, you do, but it's only one though. So like, so, so, so I have some other properties I've been looking at as well that I you need to do the research and find out what's best for you in the beginning. I'd like to get you a deal or two okay. and then you can decide to do like Zach data. But in the beginning, like I want you to be successful. And the less you can rely on that, like these paid accounts, it takes a little bit more pressure off of you. And when you succeed, then you're like, okay, I made X amount of dollars. Now I can make, take a small investment in this. And now I can really ramp this thing up. Now you could do simple searches like Spokio and some of these others. They'll give you some amazing data. Okay. I'm, I'm not, I, I, I have no affiliation with them, but honestly, in the beginning, that's what I use. Cause I, there was nothing else out there, but you know, white pages, like detailed searches, and then you're just looking for relatives that are associated with them to yeah. get it. Number two is um, you guys can, you can hear me, right? Somebody yes. says there's no audio. Let me know if anybody else can hear me in the comments is, um, is there any activity in the property? How far away from it are you? I'm about 20 minutes from it. Okay. So a couple things um, you can, uh, you can put a uh, letter on the door. Okay. Simple letter, like a handwritten, almost like a reverse sticky note. Okay. I got a quick question about the house. Give me a call. Um, and then if you're really brave, <laughs> get out of the car and talk to the neighbors. Okay. <clears throat> so you already said the neighbors are upset about it, right? Yes. The neighbors know who owns it. The neighbors and, know who's in charge of that house. Okay. Because they said, you know, um, I also had a friend to look it up. He's supposed to call me back, but he said, yeah, they have... Um, what do you call it? Code enforcement. They have uh-huh. put in a complaint with that. You know, they've put in a complaint with that. And so I didn't know if he could, he, you know, get the uh, information for me. Cause I know holidays, 
he wasn't at work. See if he can uh, find out who's paying the taxes. I don't know. But well, code, code enforcement ain't going to help you with any of that stuff. Okay. I promise you. So yeah. what I do is just talk to the neighbors. Okay. And remember, you're going on an Intel X, uh, a Intel recon expedition. So okay. you got to listen. I just drive by this house. This, this house sticks out. Now, number one, don't tell the neighbors you're you're the buyer for it ever. Because you, okay. you just all of a sudden the uh, FOMO takes over the fear of missing out. Like, Oh my God, I want to buy that. That's my neighbor's house. Like I want to buy it. There's no, yeah. you shouldn't have to buy it. So you just say, listen, I'm just concerned. I drove by this house. Look at it. It just looks odd. And the neighbors will go, yeah, we, I can't believe John left it like this. His, his wife passed away and go, Hey, do you have his cell number? Maybe I can, I can help them like find a way to get this thing up to date to find a good family in it. Just try to get Intel. Someone is showing up to that house. If the lawn's being mowed, if they're picking no. up, that's that's the issue. It hadn't been the most and stuff, you know. I did a whole entire summer until they said it had nothing has been done to it in two years. When I looked at the um, code enforcement report on, on the property, because the husband died in 2011, yeah. and she died in 2019. Well, 2013, the husband passed away, and she died in. Uh, so, is, is the house in terrible, terrible shape? It looks terrible on the outside. I don't yeah. know about the inside. That's so going to be about the same on it. Listen, okay. the bottom line is, um, you know, you found smoke and usually where there's smoke, there's fire, but um, sometimes family um, situations are so strange. If you cannot find an error, someone that can talk to you, it's, it's going to be a challenge because okay. I, you're going to have code violations on there, but like someone's paying the taxes though, which yeah, doesn't make it. It's up to date. Yeah. So somebody has a valid interest in the property unless, unless it has a, the only other thing is I would do a uh, public record search and your uh, clerk, uh, the clerk of courts and see if there's a mortgage or anything else with it. Okay. So, so if there's a mortgage and the mortgage would usually pay for it, but they should have foreclosed by now. Like, yeah, so, two years. So, how do I act when I go to the uh, court of clerks? You just you, know? you you can look that up online. Just, oh, really? Just use the uh, deceased person's last name, middle initial, and first name, and you'll see all the records on them, and you'll see everything that was associated, most likely, with that property. Okay. And then, if they have a mortgage of a sizable amount, they usually pay for it. But usually, after a year or two, they usually foreclose on it. So. The only thing that's got me perplexed is why would someone pay the taxes on a property being run down like that? Correct. It doesn't make sense. So it, you got to kind of get to it. So, I don't know if they're you know out of town or what. So I'll look at that that county court clerk because I and st stick a notice on the door. Hopefully someone will call you and and you know do exactly what we tell you. Hey, got a quick question about this house? Okay. You know, um, and just just you know call. Uh, and, and just put your phone number next to it. Okay. It, the, the curiosity kills people and they're going to call hopefully. And then the other thing is I do get a little bit nosy. Sometimes if you open up the mailbox, there's a mail receptacle. And by the way, you're not supposed to do this because okay. exactly. once you, once you put a PO, once you put a box up, it's actually the, the property of the United States. Yes, government. Exactly. No. But I look at it and number one, I'm seeing if it's full, if someone's actually, uh, pulling things out. And then uh, number two, sometimes they have the um, green notice in there saying it's vacant and they don't deliver mail there anymore. Okay. So if yeah. it's a green vote uh, notice and it's like vacant and the only, sometimes deals just don't work out. I've got probably a hundred of these in my pipeline. 
it's normal. Okay. Okay. So I did have a, another one. I think I have another one just like that, but I don't think it's empty. It's like the mail carrier. I, he told me that someone picks the mail up like once a year. So someone's there. He said, no one's in the front part of the house, but it's like, you know, you can have like a guest house. It's not a guest yeah. house, maybe another part onto the house. And they had plenty of code violations. The mail person carrier, he told me about that. And as well, you know, because they've written them up and to take them to court now because they haven't complied to uh, upkeep on the house. Yeah. And then another B area. It's another B area. So. Use, the, use the same tactics I told you on the other one. Just stick a letter. Yeah, because they have yeah. a lot of, I went to the house and it's like one of the mail things. It's full of mail and the mail carrier. He said they don't, they pick the mail up like once a year. Not just like, wow. He said someone stays there, but they don't stay in the front part of the house. I, I, did, I didn't understand that at all. Nah, I just, you know, listen, driving for dollars is a technique to, you know, try as find as much smoke so you can find the fire, but they all don't work out. Like a, okay. some of these probably like I have, <laughs> I have a property not far from where I live. It's been vacant for 12 years. Like wow. it's, it's like, it's, it's like in the sea of like, it is. So a lot of them, sometimes they wind up in like massive court disputes or the city wants to develop on it or something like that. But um, when all else fails, just go to the clerk or court and put in the person's last name and, you know, their first name and their middle initial. And you can try to put heads or tails. But here's what I'm telling you is, don't kill yourself. Go out and find more deals and just kind of keep that one in the works. Okay. Some people will sit here and spend three, four hours. I'm like, you, you're wasting yeah. your time. Yeah. <laughs> Analysis for hours. One of yeah, no, you just, So you the know. biggest thing you do is find as many motivated leads as you can. And just like, I just go through and ask everyone like a standard question. Hey, great. Are you the owner of this? Do you have interest in selling it? And if they're like, absolutely not take me off your list i'll never ever sell it doesn't mean i'm not going to talk to him again i just i'm not going to spe spend any energy right now you we right. can't make people sell us houses right. we, so we just try to increase our probability and then we find houses like this because when they when you do find them it's usually a landslide you do very very well you know i've had i think so I've you. had I've had about 15 houses in my career given to me, literally given to me. They go, you can just have it. I go, why? Like, it's just such a nightmare for us. The city's all over us about it. Like, it's we're in a massive squabble in the family. And I usually wind up giving something them anyways. But I'm just telling you, this stuff happens all the time. I once picked up, I got a house for free, a hundred dollars. I wound up giving her, and um, it had a <laughs> lot of issues. But I sold it for $23,000 two weeks later. I never wow. did a, that thing to it. I didn't. And I was just like, man, these things, they're not everywhere. But when they come yeah. up, they're golden. So understanding when you get a, a house that's vacant and no one's there, if you don't, you're not going to hit on 100% of them. It's never been the expectation. So I love what you're doing, but just keep it simple. And when it comes to the conversation, just have a conversation with people. Okay. Guys, wholesaling is about just talking to people. That's all it is. The more people you can converse with, the more people that you can expose yourself to, the greater your odds of getting a deal. And the more you try to protect yourself and have every perfect conversation, you are going to get killed. Okay. So I'd rather you talk to 100 people and know little to nothing about them than talk to 10 people and you know everything about them. Because okay. the person who deals with 100 is going to have a much greater chance of success. And that's been my secret formula for 20 plus years. 
and then the sooner you figure it out, the easier it will be on you because it, it's just everyone's looking for the perfect conversation, the perfect data, and it's it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Okay. Yeah, and and the stuff that I've had people tell me to take a f off. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, I've been. Yeah. And then they call me back two months later. I'm like, you know what? It just hit me at a bad time. I do need to sell that house. Okay. And I always leave people on a positive note, even when they chew me out. I, okay. I never take it personally. I don't care. Okay. I don't care because I have stuff going on in my life, just like you do. And we've all said things we've regretted before. And I give everyone the benefit of the doubt because it's just a numbers game. If you chew them out, I guarantee you. They'll never talk to you again, period. And that door will always be closed. So one of my best deals, lady told me to F off twice. And wow. I was kind of pushy and like, I kind of like, you know, she had a rough time and I broke some news to her. She didn't want to hear about her home in Port St. Lucie. And then once she verified it and found it was real, she's like, you know what? You did me a huge favor. You saved me a hundred thousand dollars of a nightmare. Oh, so wow. basically her granddaughter turned it into like a party house basically oh. a drug house. Oh my she, goes, she goes, that's not my house. I go, unfortunately, I don't make this stuff up. I sent her the picture. She goes, I called her and she says, you have the wrong house. I go, listen, I'm telling you, it's your house. Oh my God. It's your house. She destroyed then, it that bad. Oh my yeah, God. Well, I got, I got death threats from the, uh, the granddaughter's boyfriend. I like, you have no, like some of the stuff we go through as wholesalers. I'm just like, is this worth it? And I'm like, it is. Cause I'm going to help her out. But she told me to F off. I'm a, I'm a liar and I'm full of crap. I'm just like, and I'm thinking that I get that. But I did this one like when, and when I first started. I'm like, that's the right house. I know it is. And then she showed me pictures when she bought it. And then she goes, I just sent $50,000 to my granddaughter to fix the house up. Oh, I go, she didn't fix the house up. No. So she smoked through the money. You know, you know how this yeah. works out. Like, yeah. so I do a lot of this in our business. Like we have to, we're like true seekers. So you got to... The, the unfortunate part, houses like this, there's always a story on how they wound up this way. So I'm assuming some sort of family squabble and some tension. And um, But you, you can't make people sell a house if they don't want to do it. And the reality is when people like this, if they die without a will, it can get lost in like never, never land. Okay. And you guys, six months a house without air conditioning being taken care of, they go to, they go to junk real quick. They, they go... Think about your car. If you don't wash your car for six months or a year, what's it look like? Okay, yeah. Like crap on the outside. Yeah, so if you don't turn on the AC or turn on the heat during certain times of year, they fall apart. Here in South Florida, if you leave your AC off for more than two months, you're going to come back to a house full of mold. Oh, wow. The humidity is just too high. So like someone told me once, you know, when I was the aspiring college student, I remember shutting the air off to like my small little tiny apartment. I came back and it was like mold on the ceiling. Because I was oh, cheap, I didn't have any money, and it wound up costing me hundred, cost me like five hundred dollars to get it all fixed. So it's like the guy's like, just leave your air on eighty. I'm like, no, just shut it off. Well, it gets like ninety, like no nineties, and you know, in the summer, so it's not good for yeah. it. So, but what? And the problem is when houses get like that, they get so south, and the city gets upset, the neighbors get upset. But yeah. I don't know. I gotta think the neighbor knows something. I I still think the neighbors gotta know something. I still think they're gonna be your best bet. Yeah, I, I didn't talk to the neighbors. I just saw it on the complaint. The neighbors is up. They've complained on it more than one time. It's, you know, it'll let you know, hey, when they first started yeah. complaining. So it's about four complaints on it. Once I look through the code violations, they give you a link. And yeah. so it's about four complaints on it. So I'm going to try to find the, you know, the 
whoever's paying the taxes on it because someone's paying no. the taxes on it. Well, someone is, but I've tried to reverse engineer that. They're not going to tell you who's paying it, and you can't pull up the transaction to see. Who, no, uh, you can't. Well, most of them pay out of a bank account, so it's even like they know who's paying it, but they're not going to share right. that with you. So, boy, that would that be powerful. Oh. Yes. So, so I I'll, like you said, leave it sticky and also send some letters if I have to, because the, the numbers I got off the true people search, even for the relatives, they were, you know, they were disconnected. Yeah. So here's another little trick. You can send a regular letter. Just do a quick handwritten note, send yes. it in an envelope yes. and put a first class stamp on it. And then if they have a forwarding address, um, it's either going to go to that forwarding address or they're going to return it to you and say, Here's the forwarding address, and they want you to remail it again, and that kind of gives you the information for free. Cost you, oh. you know, a buck to put it together, but yeah, I do yeah. that all the time. So as long as you have a return address on it, if it gets forwarded or processed like that too, they notify you and let you know. Or I've seen some; it's like unable to deliver. What is yeah, that? they'll put it. They'll put a yellow sticker on it, like one of the one of the following. Sometimes they write on there, like literally, they'll write deceased on there, which helps you like in your marketing. But you already know that, so it's not really a help. Yeah. So just do some detective work. And um, one, the other, one of the other techniques I used to use to take a bandit sign and I used to put, you know, uh, I'd write for sale and I put my phone number on it. And boy, did that get their phone to ring off the hook? Oh, my God. Oh. All the neighbors would call. And then usually if somebody was associated with the property, they'd call. But a little bit more risky. But I'll do that yeah. as a final like Hail Mary. Okay. You will get calls, but like the city's going to call you. Every cash buyer in the area is going to call you. So it's a good way to market for uh, properties you don't even own. But okay, yeah, that's the only thing you put it on there, but no one's taking it. Just don't it. put your cell number on there. Make sure you got a phone. It's, uh, a, yeah, a virtual I have number. Google. Yeah, I have but Google. A simple for sale on your number, it'll get you so much traction. And then you can go, okay, who am I speaking with? You say there's a neighbor. This is code enforcement. And honestly, then you just get resourceful and tricking people and telling you what you want, what you need to hear. Okay. So how do you deal with like if code enforcement calls you? It's, it's hey, do you know the owner? You know the owner of the house? Cause I'm trying to get their number. That's why I put the sign in there. Okay. Well, it says for sale. I go, I just want to find out if it's for sale. That's why I put my phone number in there. So it's not illegal by doing that, by the way. Okay. Okay. Right. Is it know. for sale? I, my, yeah. it, it was a question for sale and my phone number on there. Like, I, if you can't talk to a code enforcement agent, you cannot do wholesaling because they're, they're just robots. I don't fault them. Everyone's got a job to do, Yes, but they're just like, you can't, are you the owner? You put it says for sale. I says, it says for sale. That's a question. And I put my phone number on there. If you could give me the seller's information, we could save this whole conversation. Okay. Sometimes people give you the, usually the neighbors are the ones that give me the most information. Okay, I, I think I'll try that. You're try. Don't spend a lot of energy on it. Like you're going to have these come up when you do driving for dollars. It doesn't mean give up. It's just like okay, get a little creative and don't like keep looking for other leads. And if it works out, it works out. Because over time, enough intel will come forward. You'll eventually find it out. But it might take you a year or two. It's not uncommon. Okay. Yeah. So I have like three in very good neighborhoods like that, and well, actually five. But I can't get hold of the owner because. The number that I got, this lady, it's she was sick of us calling about this guy. He's got two duplex, well, a duplex in a house, mm -hmm. side by side, and so everyone's been calling her number. I've told you, it, you mfers, you called me before. She just went off. I was like, oh my god, she was pissed. Stop calling my number. 
Bernard does not live. This is not his number. It's like everyone's trying to get a hold of that guy. I know, but remember, the harder they are to get a hold of, the more advantageous it is in a way for you because nobody else has got a hold of them either. So you just kind of like put it together. But like I put a bunch of them together and I just, we throw stuff off the wall and some of them stick and then some just take years to work around. And like, I don't, I don't sit there and hang on that one lead because. No, I, yeah, I, I'm looking for other leads. I yeah. have like a, I probably at least uh, 60 additional leads. I'm still going to look for some more. I just hadn't posted them in the group. I just. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, 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 you're going the right route. You're finding the right stuff like that. Just don't get discouraged when they do it. Just kind of. Okay. So my only advice to you is don't go knee deep on the, on the leads. Just like, honestly, I don't even like, I don't even run comps till I talk to somebody. What's the point? Okay. So if I talk to 10 people and nine are like going to be like, not even talk to me, like, so why am I going to run 10 comps? And that's so how I look wasting, at it. I'm wasting time running comps. No, don't even like, I've already told you, like in this market, you got to buy stuff cheap. So you got to find motivation first. If there's no motivation, don't spend your energy. The hardest thing you can do in wholesaling is get with motivated sellers. Once you figure that part out, the rest you can kind of learn as you go. It's not hard. And yeah, by the way, most motivated sellers are very patient people. Okay. Don't so wait. I have Sometimes to days for find, you to get back to them. Find uh, buyers, okay. good buyers. That's my thing. Yeah, just value your time and go. Okay, I'm just I'm gonna seek motivation, and once I have the motivation, then I, I'm gonna go deep with them and help them out with everything I can. But if the hardest part is seeking out is the motivation, then spend your energy doing that, which you are. You're looking in the right things. Just don't don't go knee deep in the comps contracts looking up all the stuff because uh, if you don't talk to the right person it's kind of a waste of time okay it doesn't mean you can't follow up and do stuff like that but trust me my first three years i did it it almost took me out of the business because i was just i did i did this entire business the first seven years by myself because i didn't know any better there was no such thing as scaling when i started out and the world's changed and we didn't have all these sophisticated tools online so now knowing this but like honestly if i was going to start all over in your shoes I just hunt motivation. If I got motivation, I'll figure this out. Okay. Like, yeah. You know this. Like you don't need to know everything. Like honestly, get it. You get it under contract at a good price. Then you can work with the title company. You can come on here live with me and Zach. You can talk to other fellow wholesalers once you have it under contract and you got a million options. I never had these options. I gave my first 36 properties. I think I gave them away. Like people were like, oh my God. I Because I was just happy to make 10 grand every time because that's all I knew. Right. And then a guy goes, you know, you can make oh, like yeah, 30. <laughs> I go, what do you mean you can make 30? And then I started figuring it out. I was like, holy crap. I'm like giving the house away. And I thought I was making a lot of money. So right. it's okay. Seek yeah. motivation, guys. It is It will change how you operate as a wholesaler. Because if you're spending a lot of time on comps, you're doing the job of a realtor and you're not doing the job of a wholesaler. Okay. So if you deal with 10 clients and you get one to work with you, you can work on one set of comps for 10 minutes max. That's it. But if you guys are taking 30 minutes for every one of them, if you had 10 leads, you're looking at three to four hours of your time. It's terrible. Okay. And then there's nothing worse than you get that nice, big, fat file folder. And you all know what I'm talking about. And you go, yeah, I got everything. I got every objection ready. I got all comps ready. I got highs, lows. I got uh, estimates for repairs. And again, so, I'm not selling it. I, I don't want to waste my time with you. I'm like, oh my God, I just spent three hours on this project. And I'm just telling you, do it the other way around and then scramble around. They're okay with it. And go, like, tell you what, let me just finish up what I'm doing. Let me get the offer all put together. But I'm always feeling around for a number. And I teach you guys how to do the go for no and do an instant offer. Because remember, if 
you seek motivation, you find it, and you build a decent rapport, you can do anything and have them reverse engineer giving you their lowest price without going, hey, Mr. Seller, what's the lowest price you'll give me for this house? Because it's insulting to ask people that now. Don't you agree? Yes. Yes. That's how, that, by the way, that's how I was taught. Mr. Seller, I paid you all cash and closed quickly. What's the least amount you'd sell it to me? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I'm heard. ready for this. This was 21 years ago. Then- then my so-called mentor at the time, which was probably the worst mentor in history, says, after that, then you go, really, what's your lowest price? It's yeah, so that's insulting. what they, yeah. I go, you know, I don't even feel comfortable saying this, but I was a machine when I started. I'm just telling you, the only thing I teach you guys to rise above most other wholesalers, just be authentic, be yourself. You don't need to be somebody else and just help people out. It's not hard. And the sooner you have that hard conversation the easier the transaction is. If you wait till the very end to try to, like you get a yes price and then you try to sell it to your cash buyers and they tell you it's all wrong, it's a nightmare, so. Okay, so do you have a video on vetting the cash buyers? Yes, yes, the, the whole thing. Um, okay. So just, just, search in, um, just search in the Flip With Rick uh, YouTube channel okay. um, and then just go look at uh, freewholesaling.com and I teach the whole thing, but. Okay. Um, the only thing now is you got to be a little bit more flexible with cash buyers. So if you have no deals to offer them, it's a little bit challenging to ask for a proof of funds when you have no working deals for them. Yes. So I would hold that off and say, listen, when we get to it, do you have a problem giving me a proof of funds? Most will say, you know, no problem at all. Okay. Okay. So it just be flexible with that. And then when this market, you guys got to spend more time with your cash buyers. They just, I'm spending a ton of time with cash buyers right now on okay. a weekly basis. I go meet with all my, now, I deal with them on a higher level, but like even our regular properties, because they've changed so much and there's so many different people doing it now. It's, it's a challenge. So. Okay. I, I okay. Will do that. Thank you. you got this your, update. Us. Let me know. Okay. Right. Awesome. See you. Azus, you there? Hey, what's up, Rick? How are you? Did I pronounce that right? Yeah. Azus. Okay, good. What's going on, man? You uh, you remind me of a uh, a family member, so a newly acquired family member to our family. Someone got uh, my my niece got married. You look literally just like him, so I, I got to let him know. So what's going on, man? What can I help you out with? Uh, yeah. So um, I've been doing a lot of driving for dollars. Okay. And what? And lately, I've been bumping into quite a, a bit of houses that are. That says that they're they're in a family trust. What 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 exactly does that mean? And can we okay? So a, a family trust is nothing more than a titling issue. So you don't need to get in the weeds for it. The reality on this situation, if the family's interested in selling the property, you just work with the title company to get the correct person to sign on behalf of the trust. That is it. Do not get in the weeds on it because you don't need to get into it. Unless right. you're personally putting a property in a trust, you really don't have to worry about the mechanics. So here's how a trust works. There's usually a trustee. That's the person who runs the trust, who is in charge and is designated to transact on anything in relation to that property. Then they have beneficiaries. The reason people do trust is the the title itself is indicative of what it's supposed to be it's it's a level of trust that is usually only within family members 90 percent of the time 
And the idea is there's a beneficiary and there's a trustee that acts on behalf of the trust that oversees if all the stuff happens, then eventually the beneficiaries will get the benefit of the trust, which would be the sale of the asset. Sometimes they're income producing properties or something like that, but usually it's a responsible person. Um, usually, you know, like a parent. So it's, it's common. Um, sometimes children are put in a trust. They're too young and then they put them on as beneficiaries. And then when they reach a certain age, a certain, certain age. dynamics change on the trust. So when you, as the buyer, as a wholesaler, all you need to do is find out who's in charge of signing on behalf of the trust. That's all you need to know. So it's just like if John Doe is selling a property, as long as John Doe's there, he could sign the contract. It operates the same way. So you, as a wholesaler, you don't, have to, you don't have to get too complicated into that. That's their business on how the proceeds go. And then they'll work with the title company on how they split up the money amongst the trust. So a trust is one responsible per, it kind of works kind of like a probate just while people are alive. Okay. They've just designated the responsible person. And then the trust, that's a private document that you or me will never see. And they're not allowed to um, put it out there publicly unless some sort of crime has been committed. So the idea is it keeps everything private in the family, especially when it's dealing with like um, young children. That's why most people, um, pretty much deal with it. So does that make sense? You don't have to worry about it. Like guys, when it comes to titling issues, if you ever have a question to get the right person to sign, just go to your title company, go, listen, I want to buy this property. We kind of agreed on a price. I can't figure out who's supposed to sign. And they go, let me see, uh, let me see the address. And they'll tell you right there. This guy needs to sign and this gal needs to sign. End of story. And that's that way you don't become a lawyer and you don't have to be a, do title work. And then what I would do if they go, no, 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 I'm, I'm authorized on behalf of the trust. That's fine. Just go ahead and sign it. And then they'll put trustee next to the name. And then you bring it over to the title company and make sure it's legit. And the title company goes, no, 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 no. His wife has to sign too. She's on it as well. I'm like, okay. And then I call him back. I go, I just need one more signature. It's no problem. So I never try to figure that crap out on my own because it's too hard. Right. right. Makes sense. It does. Okay. Um, Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, in regards to would you, you happen to know how to how to find a trustee on on because I, I tried to skip everything but nothing comes up when it comes to yeah you're to, you're not not gonna find the trustee like it's you're not gonna find him so the bear oh. the, like a reverse train for dollars to steal no and well listen uh, if, is the house vacant or the one that you're looking at that's in the trust quite a bit of them are there a lot of them that I, that I've seen are boarded up and it seems like no one has been there in quite a few months yeah so i would leave a sticky note on it or uh, i would check out the mailbox or like, pretty much the same things i i told ann before you here um yeah just get a little creative but like do not like spend all your time energy trying to comp them out and stuff like that because you don't know if you got a deal there so right. um put some notes on the door check the mailbox if you have to put a sign in yard or talk to the neighbors that should give you enough intel to figure out on who to contact for that property Okay. But, and, but, um, but trusts are better because better. you're not having to go through a probate for them. So a probate, right. when someone's died, then you got to go through that whole process of uh, the will and stuff like that with the, with the courts. So I buy plenty of houses from trust. People like do them all the time. Okay. Um, one more thing um, in regards to like seeing the, when I do the skip tracing, there's, the, there's other, other few that I say, 
that say corporate owned, which I'm assuming they're probably small companies or like LLCs. Okay. But okay. some say corporate owned slash bank owned. Yeah, just avoid the avoid the ones that say bank owned. It's a waste of time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just, I, yeah. I was I was assuming that. And you guys keep in mind if you so I have flipped bank owned properties. Now, full disclosure, I did it back when you could get away with it. From 2008 to 11, it was actually, I'm not going to say it was easy, but they were everywhere. But what happened is the banks got on to what wholesalers were doing, and then they put on a deed restriction. So most bank-owned properties, uh, they tell you that you can't come back and sue them for anything. You have to sign off on everything. Even if the house falls on the ground tomorrow, they're not responsible, which is scary, which basically eliminates most of your title insurance to a point. Number two, uh, they restrict, they uh, make you own the property for a minimum 90 days before you can resell it, or it gets even worse. They tell you you can't profit more than 20% of what you bought it for. Those are the reasons I avoid bank-owned properties type of deal. They're a nightmare, plus they're on market sometimes especially with the ones on MLS and there's so much lying and deceit that goes on. I just, I don't know why anybody would want to work in that um, area. So, and by the way, the bank owned, like it's not technically owned by the bank. It's just serviced by the bank. The banks don't own any of this stuff, guys. The bank lends money for one, if not three days, and then they sell it on the, uh, the open market, basically to wall street and they package it up to Fannie and Freddie and they get their money back, and then they, they earn all those fees, all the appraisals, all the points and everything. The banks do it over and over, and they make hundreds and billions of dollars by flipping over loans. By the way, the average 30-year mortgage, do you know how long that lasts for on average in the United States now? Maybe less, less than five years. Oh, wow. It's almost a joke getting a 30-year mortgage. It's kind of like no, the, the bank knows you're never getting near it. So it used to be seven. We're now below five. And, you know, we might go to three because people are like looking. I think people are looking at. I still think there's the American dream, but I, I think people are looking at it a little bit differently now because housing is getting so expensive. Yeah. So bank owned properties, just bad news, 100 percent, because the bank doesn't care because they don't technically own it. They just manage it. OK. And you'll never get a decision maker because. The reality is the United States government owns that mortgage and it's wrapped up in hundreds of millions of dollars of other mortgages and they have to sell them all at once. They can't pull one out of the portfolio. So until it doesn't, until someone stops paying for it and becomes um, a non-performing note, then there's different parameters. But you're looking at like one year minimum to even get a decision from these people. So they'll drive you nuts. So stay away from them. Okay. Um, one more question. And just yes. out of curiosity, so... At my house, I've I started to receive so, some little posted notes saying that we'll buy your house cash. Okay. So I kind of made a laugh about it, but I've been curious to call them and and seeing like what they not like not exactly what they have to offer, but more so to see maybe maybe we could JV with them. What would what, what you recommend that or? Well, I mean, you got nothing to lose. You can call, but it's. You, you don't know who's on the other line. So you don't know what kind of training they have and you don't know right. if they're ethical. So uh, just be aware of that because I don't want okay. you picking up any bad habits from them. So the fact they stuck a note on it, what did the note say on your door? It's not a note. It's just a postcard that we receive on the mail. Okay. Like, well, you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so I do lots of mail and I get lots of phone calls on people, but like most people, they don't deliver on what they're going to promise, but I, I wouldn't even bother. It's because nine times out of 10, like, you know what, you want to see something interesting, call that number and see if somebody answers it live. Okay. If they answer it, they're live. They might have a shot, but if they let it go to voicemail, it, you got to understand they spent thousands to get that lead to you and right. then they let it go to voicemail. So if you're going to spend thousands to get a lead, you think, they would have enough money to pay somebody to answer the phone or like do the buy-in to answer the phones. The technology on phones right now, I can forward a phone anywhere. I get my phone ring to 10 people all at the same time and whoever picks up first hand gets the phone. Mm -hmm. So the logistics and phone technology right now is off the chart. There's no reason never not to answer your phone unless it's like the middle of the night or like it's Thanksgiving, you know, maybe Easter or like Christmas or something like that. Like, maybe someone's high holy days or something like that. So yeah. it just makes no sense. So that's the crazy part. Guys, on bandit signs, I'm telling you, go and when you're driving around in your areas, take a picture of those bandit sign numbers and call. I'll bet you 80% of the time, nobody answers the phone. Why? Because I research it all the time on my market. It makes no sense. Why do you go through all this effort? Because most people are scared to answer their leads and they might actually have to do something if somebody wants to sell a property. So, um, but don't use don't. other people's laziness. You got to use that as a trigger for yourself. Go, man, if people are this bad, imagine if I just answer my phones and do what Rick and Zach says, I can do amazing things in the wholesaling space. And that's how I look at it. I just laugh when people don't answer their phones. You got to be kidding me, right? Every time we do direct mail, a bandit sign, anything like that, I mean, someone's always in charge of the phones. It's like your lifeline. So, oh. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, man. Okay, man. I'll talk to you, bud. See you. Thank you. Okay. Yo, you there? Hey, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? I, you kind of caught me off guard. Uh, I haven't been able to catch you guys lately, man. The new time has been uh, it's, it's been messing with my schedule, but that, that's fine. I'm here today, so that's what matters. No, I know. Hey, it's uh, I just think we got to mix it up a little bit so you guys get complacent. I got to change oh, yeah. the time. I, I can't blame you. I can't blame maybe, you. Maybe I'll, I don't I'll know, change it again with the time zone change, but yeah, um, yeah, that's another thing, man. It gets dark here in Illinois at like 4:30, so it's, really, it's Dude, yeah. It's I, I, I wish they'd stop messing. Like I think Arizona, they don't mess with the uh, the time at all on this stuff. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of states. I think Hawaii, too, or something like that. Yeah, but, I think Hawaii, too, but they got it all right. So what's going on, man? What can I help you out with? I got a couple questions. So some of these I've been waiting on for a long time. So I come across a lot of people who have, uh, they own land, but it's not just like an infill lot. It's like straight up wooded lots with like no types of utilities and just like, I, I mean, like trees all over the lot. It's, it's just like literally a brand new piece of land. So is that something we should still go after or is that just kind of like off the board? I mean, you can do it, but the problem is you have to have buyers that are willing to buy those types of lands, which is... Yeah, I can't really go to home builders for that because obviously, they, again, they would take the infill lots. I don't really know what type of... Uh, yeah, no, it, I could it's, try it. it's, Honestly, the main people who buy stuff like that are like the commercial guys, and, and you're probably talking about residential neighborhoods. The problem is when they have tall brush and everything else on them and there's like no uh, infrastructure set, it means it's a long time till someone can do something with those properties. Yeah, that's the thing. I've, dude, I've seen some of these pictures or some, yeah, some of these properties or the, the plots of land. They're just like on the side of a random street. 
like 50 foot tall trees and it's like a thick forest on them and i'm like i mean yeah. what do i do with this so yeah i figured there's I mean, not a whole lot i could do with uh, so let me give you a little lesson i bought a bunch of these lots thinking like how could i go wrong i still own them 12 years later yeah. and they still look the exact same yeah and i i bought them for 1500 now i was thinking that by this time they would be like I could get a hundred grand for them, but it didn't work out. So that's the problem is nobody wants to the expense to clear these lands. Now the good news is the tax only like 80 bucks a year, but that's if you own a bunch of them, it does add up. And like, after a while you're like, if someone offers me the right price and go, now I got people offering me three and four grand for them. But I'm like, dude, I've waited this long. Like it's kind of a land bank. So the only way I would buy in there, if I saw something in area transitioning, but if you see all that stuff on there, you're typically a minimum three years away from anyone yeah. ever being able to really develop a property on it. And that's the challenge with them. Oh, that's yeah. That's I'll so I, say honestly, like when I did that investment, it was just a personal investment. I, it was like $5,000. I bought them and, Honestly, it didn't work out very well for me. So it's, if you understand it's a speculation, <clears throat> it's not a wholesale move unless you can sell them to somebody else. And only a person's going to buy that. It's got to have a real plan for them. And that's yeah, sure. where the problem comes in. But when they run out of all the other lots, all of a sudden those get like really attractive. So I watch for stakes or any type of land clearing and then I'm all over it. But it's, you know, but you got to understand, like I watched in Port St. Lucie, I was buying lots at $3,000. Now they trade for a hundred grand. So oh, I've been through yeah. this cycle twice. So it's like, but now like there's nothing left. There's really nothing yeah. left. So eventually I know they're going to push up to where my lots are, but um, I'm just telling you, there's not much you can do with that stuff. You just have okay. to land okay. bank it and like hope for the best. And um, if you can find someone else to put up that money and you see a trend happening, then maybe, but um, when you buy them, you got to plan on five to 10 years minimum. Ouch. Okay. I, I think it's just the truth. It's like, I think it's going to get, they're going to become uh, more prolific because we're running out of uh, real estate, but depends on what market you're in. And like Florida, we're literally running out of land. So I'm not too worried. And then I got offered, I told you three or $4,000 to sell them, but I'm like, yeah, I've already waited almost 10 years. Like, what do I care? Sure. And honestly, when like I don't have tenants complaining at me and stuff like that, it's actually a pretty good deal for me. So I'm fine with it. Fair enough. Okay, so I, I missed some bits and pieces of uh, of today's stream. I have to go back and rewatch it, so I might have okay. missed this. But uh, for the realtors today, how how often do you prefer to follow up with them, especially if you're trying to trying to get some? Um, uh, so in the beginning, you got to set up the relationship, and then past that is, guys. Once I have the initial relationship set up, like you you kind of keep tapering it down because you got to follow up with other realtors. And then simple things like during the holidays, just sending them a, uh, a greeting card or just dropping off like a chocolate shit like that. Sorry about the language. Um, it works really well. Like they just appreciate. Did you know the number one thing um, why employees are not happy in corporate America? And most, most people go, well, it's because of their pay. Nope. It's, it's praise. And yeah, it's no yeah. different with realtors because the way they work, it's kind of like they're kind of on an island to a point. So past their broker, they don't get praise from anyone. So just simple things by um, with today's age with text and stuff like that, it's so much easier to stay in contact with people. And remember, the realtor doesn't want to be bugged every three minutes anyways. He's just like every night, every, grab a cup of coffee or like you got to get to the point where they call you and turn it around like that. And then during the holidays, you just drop them off a little chocolate basket or just even sending a text saying, you know, 
happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, whatever. And it goes a long way. Okay, Guys, I tell you, I've had realtors have fed me deals my entire career since I started because I put the time in with them. The problem is I chased every realtor thinking I could bring them all to the promised land. You can't. Like they've already made up their mind. They just have to be open enough to talk to you. And then when it comes up, because what I find when realtors get a property they don't know what to do with, they go talk to their broker or they try to force putting it on the market and they struggle and they actually do their sellers a huge disservice. And most realtors don't know how to work with cash buyers. So yeah. one of your test questions is, have you ever worked with a cash buyer before? Absolutely. And just say, listen, let me, because they don't understand the benefit of working with a cash buyer. The benefit yeah, of working with right. cash buyers, you don't have to qualify for a mortgage. You don't have to worry about inspections and you can get the property sold quickly. So if they take that property, take it to market, and then everybody wants to go get an FHA loan on it, they're going to waste three months of their time and yeah. the seller's time. And if they just called you in the beginning, you could have made it a win-win situation. But most realtors don't understand that. Number two, if it were to come up, they just assume you're going to screw them somehow. So that's why you, you set up the relationship currency to kind of work through them. And they actually enjoy it because I will tell you, they walk through a lot of houses. They're rough. And you know what they tell the seller? Fix it and clean it up and call me when you're done. And not every seller can do that. Yep. Yep. That's where we come in. Or have them call you with their tired and old listings. But I'm telling you guys, I do not talk to realtors till the 91st day of the listing because they're not open to the conversation. They got to have pain on the market. When they have pain on the market, they're willing to do anything. And a lot of times it's taking your crappy offer, presenting it to their seller and go, listen, this is the best offer I got. So either you take this offer, you got to bring this listing down to a realistic number. And the reality is after 90 days, the, the listing smoked. Nobody wants it anyways. Yep. And when they do this spiral downward chase and then they'll go another month or two. And I'm like, listen, call me when you really want to sell it. And at that point, the seller goes, do whatever you got to do to get rid of this property. I don't care anymore. And that's the favorite ones I like to buy. So that's it. It's painful guys going through the realtors. It's work. My biggest mistake is I try to pitch every realtor. Don't, don't do it. Find the young ones, find the old ones and find the ones that are open to talking a conversation with you because you're never going to convince them working with a wholesaler is the best thing in their life for them yeah. and get rid of the word wholesaler. Cause they, they already know they think every wholesaler is a POS. It's been me. Yeah, I've mind. seen that a lot, actually. Yeah, you're not licensed. You're here to take business away from me. No, actually, I'm going to provide you more business. Let me explain what I am. I'm like, so I always say, listen, I'm just a cash buyer. Yeah, I started my uh, my, my pre-licensing because I'm in the state of Illinois, so you know how that goes. I know. Also, I know. it's it's just been it's been rough for me, so I might try out some agency just to see how it goes, you know, and try to get some deals done here while I'm at it. At least I'll have that. Um, uh, just two more quick questions. Uh, I, I've been doing probates lately, and I've gotten a lot of uh, people who are like, yeah, I kind of want to sell. And I, I can tell they're not super motivated, but they also have these properties that are like 3x the median home price in the area. And I know that's not really what we aim for. Uh, I'll get people with like 900k properties and 300k markets or, you know, 500k properties and 200k markets. So I don't mm -hmm. like, do I still try to go about that? Or Yeah, I mean, they, they got to have some sort of motivation. Otherwise, you're going to pay full price for them. Okay. I, mean, um, I, I like, listen, I'll, I'll look at any probate, especially if it's vacant. Okay. Just think about a vacant property. You can run anybody. Yeah, yeah. They want to get rid of it anyway. So, so like they got to have motivation. And if it's vacant, then I'll go well above my medium price. Cause I can always okay. find a spot. And plus 
like you can get a 30 day extension for anything on those. And That's most true. of the times they need 30 day extensions from you. So it takes the stress of you trying to find somebody in a week or two. Sometimes you have three months to find a buyer. And honestly, if you can't find a buyer in three That's months, and then you don't even have the right price. Yeah, you get out. I go, listen, I just can't wait any longer. And they're fine. They're close to getting the title cleared anyways, and they could sell it on their own anyways. But honestly, if you go out in their market and you can't get that number, you want to get out of it anyways. Okay, yeah. I had a recent property that was valued like about 950K, and it was it was all freshly renovated. This wasn't going to be a deal anyway. But like it, our wholesaling deal is up there uh, still you know, realistic. Yeah, you can all sell anything. Guys, I've wholesaled up to $5 million properties. Like it's it's the same story every time. The problem is when you get in the higher price points, you need a bigger discount. People just, they're not as, they always think they have a solution to fix it. And you can't convince them they don't. So if someone's financially set or they have a wealthy family member, then they might give them a loan for $100,000 to keep that property afloat. It happens all the time. Yeah. The lower price points you get, the more people have to move it because it's not normal for the average American to own two plus houses, especially when one's yeah. just, you got an inheritance, you're like, I don't want to pay for this pig. Let me get out of it. So it's all different. The higher price points you go, the more sophisticated the seller is. It doesn't mean they're smarter. They just know it all. And they will burn through other resources just to keep that house to prove you wrong. And if they want to prove themselves, they want to prove me wrong, they can do it all day long. It's not my problem. But I will tell you in this market going forward, especially for 2023, the bailout's not coming. It's not going to come like you've seen before. Remember, the United States government pumped $13 trillion into this economy. It's, it ain't going to bail it out anymore because this is why we have such high interest rate because the government had to do this to save us from the, the COVID crisis. And now you guys have the hangover from this. Yeah. Whatever reward the government has, they always have a penalty on the back end. If yep. they didn't do this with interest rates, it would be total anarchy in society right now. Only the wealthy people would get food off the shelves because it would never stop. So I don't agree with how the government does stuff like the You didn't need to print the 13 trillion. That's where the problem began. But anytime a government prints money, you can take any look, look over in, in the European markets, look over in Asia, all the other places. They all have the same freaking problem. The minute the government artificially stimulates to try to save an economy, it's going to have a negative downward spiral at the end. So here's the good news is 2018, we were due for a recession anyways. Yep. The pandemic just put that on the back burner and then 13 trillion. We've never seen this in our lifetime. Guys, we have some serious corrections are going to be going on. So if you think this is an overnight fix, you're crazy. It doesn't mean you have to panic about it, but the idea is you want to be in a position where you can capitalize. I know in the next two years, it's going to be the biggest transfer of wealth you've ever seen in our history. I already know it's coming. I, I see the handwriting on the walls everywhere. It's, it's, it's very hard to get. Guys, go try to buy a car right now. It's painful. You know what the average car payment is right now in this new market? It's close to $750 okay. a month. Okay, yeah, pretty close. Okay. And then go with a seven, eight, nine percent interest rate. If you oh. thought it was expensive at one point nine percent, you have a I, I went to go buy my wife a car and I was in shock. Like I go so I've always taught you'll know, finance it, you get like a really low rate, keep it, do it. Yeah. 
Uh, no. At 7 and 8%, guys, it's hard to finance these cars. It's really expensive. At so, that point, I guess irrational. If you have a forty, fifty thousand dollars car, which is not uncommon anymore, and you just put down twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars, you still have close to a seven hundred dollars payment. Yeah. yeah, that's if you don't put anything down, you're you're going to be up around eight, nine hundred bucks minimum. And to me, the average person needs a car to get to work. That is staggering stuff. We're all used to three to four hundred dollars payments. They've basically doubled on cars. And so if you've got that old car, keep it going because these cars are not going to get any cheaper. It's just going to get worse. So I don't know, man. I just, the cost of everything is starting to really come out and yeah. So I just think, so when you see these higher price points, they're not going to get the usual bailouts they get. They're not getting lines of credit anymore and family members are less likely to bail them out. So if it's vacant, I always go for it. If it, they're living in and stuff like that, I won't touch it. I, I would just, convince them to list with a realtor and then take a 25% cut on that. Now, yeah. if you list a $900,000 house and say there's on average $30,000, $40,000 commission on it and you can get 25% of it, that still gives you a ten dollars to $12,000 payday. So like, don't write it off. Check. I do it all the time, guys. That's like a mini assignment right there. It is. So the values always in real estate, no matter what it is, if you're a wholesaler, if you're a realtor, if you're a broker, it's always in the relationship with the client. And if you can establish a great trust with them, you can, they'll pretty much follow your lead. Unfortunately, NAR, the National Associate Realtor, has decided if you don't have a license, you shouldn't have a business developing trust with any type of seller because you can't be trusted. And that's the fight I'll fight all the way till the till I go to the grave because it makes no sense. That's Listen, I got pissed when they made me get a fishing license when uh, I'm young enough to fish when they didn't have licenses around here. And now it's like, you need a license for everything. Like you need a license for a license. So I get a driver's license. Why don't we have a license when people have kids? Like to me, that's the most like normal license you should have. You have a marriage license, right? You have kids, you should have a license. You should register. We need to know how you're raising those kids. So it's my pet peeve. So it's funny. What okay. else you got? Last thing, um, I, I know Fizbo's are still very viable, but uh, I noticed in like my market specifically, there's only very select few that are over 100 days old, and a lot of them are like either severely overpriced or like random plots of land that aren't very plausible. And if I do try to contact them, you know, I, I really I'm not getting too far with only about 10, 15 properties. So what is the best way to find more of them? I know Zach does the spinner wheel. I mean. I guess I could go and do that too, but I'm just wondering if there's like a more plot. Cause what I'm doing is I, I'm filtering by County right now. I could filter by state. Uh, I could do a little Zach spinner wheel thing. I just want to know what the preferred way to go about it is. Well, I, I'm not the expert on it, but I, all I can tell you is you, you need massive quantity. Oh yeah. Don't, don't do comps. Don't do anything. Seek motivation and then reverse engineer it. Um, and if you want to pick another market, if you're okay, uh, you do your local and then add some virtual markets doing it by state. That can be a little challenging to a point because the idea of, even if you pick a city on a virtual market after a few months, you start to kind of figure out what's the deal and what's not the problem is if you do an entire state, it, it's yeah, all right, over Florida. Yeah. So it's like, cause like in the state of Florida, like if I go down South, you can look at average million dollar comps. And if I go to the middle part of the state, 
they're they're still fifty thousand dollar houses. Yeah, so I was gonna say like I'd be oh, fifty thousand, great deal. A lot of times we qualify like a motivation based on the price, and actually it's the worst way you can do it. No matter what the price is, the price is just yeah. a symptom of the seller's overall attitude on it. And if there's not motivation there, like I, I just, I don't, you can't use price alone as a motivating factor. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the problem with today's market is you guys are looking at prices today and they've dropped. And you're like, oh my God, it looks like a really good deal. The problem is, is you have uh, comp goggles on. You're looking at prices from six months a year ago and go, well, they're 20% lower. It's a good deal. It's not. It's like a falling stock. Like if I told you Tesla, you could have bought it after it did a split, you could buy it for $300 a share. You'd be like, that's crazy. It went down to 110, 110. And I know it's back up now again, but it'll drop again. It's just crazy. That's yeah. like a 70% reduction. And I thought it was cheap at 200. I'm just like, oh my gosh. So understand in real estate, you got to buy it for what it's worth today to try to sell it within 30 days or less. We are not speculators. The the fix and flippers are trying to anticipate properties prices six to twelve months because that's what it takes to do them, and that's really hard on us wholesalers because we're buying for what it's worth today, and they want me to go ahead and pre-discount what the future rate increases are going to be and the pricing, and you and me have no control over that. Yep. And yep. that's why we're in such a predicament right now, because cash buyers. Six months ago, they were swinging for the fences, and now you can't even find them around the fence. Yeah, and we're all having the same issue. So some get luckier than others, but for the most part, you have to work for cash buyers. So many of you are taught, don't worry about cash buyers. The easiest part. It was really, really bad advice, and it's going to hurt people for the next couple of years. Yeah, we knew this was coming. The cash buyers are kind of withdraw for a little while. Cash buyers are your customers in the end as a wholesaler, they, and if you treat them like crap. That's how you're going to do it. But I said, don't get too friendly with them, but you can't treat them like dirt. Yeah. Somebody said you treat them like, uh, you know, don't let them treat you like employees or something like that. I'm like, man, that's really good advice in a smoking hot market. But in normal markets, if you insult a cash buyer, they'll just hang up on you. They don't care. Yeah, you got the, the guru's favorite quote. Uh, you don't work for you don't work for them. They work for you and all that stuff. So. Yeah, that's funny because I know the guru who came up with that. And <laughs> you know, they used to, they used to work. They used to work for me, so it's kind of funny oh, that. Yeah, it's kind of funny he comes up. Yeah, but you keep in mind that guru doesn't even do wholesaling anymore. Not even the slightest. You know why? Because he or she's greatest gift is teaching others how to coach people. Oh, of course. It's a joke, guys. Oh. Please don't take advice from people that do not do the business. And when they go, well, you know, I've, I've made enough money. I don't have to do that anymore. If you truly ran a, an effective wholesaling business, why wouldn't you just have your employees run it? Because if you're so successful, why would you ever stop? Because it's valuable intel that you get from this data. And the reality is it's really easy. The truth of the matter is really easy to do the coaching thing because do they really care if you succeed or not? Like once you pay them, they won. It's over. Yeah, and then, you know, then you're a pain in the ass and you're a liability. And that's the problem with it. And that's why I hate how wholesaling, specifically wholesaling is taught. Because the reality is now we have the coach of the coaches and they go out there and they teach young kids and women how to be a coach, even when they have a very light track record and they don't know how to teach other people. They just tell them you'll figure it out as you go. You pay me 30000 I'll show you how to do it. Yep. 
And then they ring up, then they ring up a hundred thousand dollars in sales and go, man, you're a genius. I go, guess what, man? You just got the highest paying job on earth. You are now going to babysit people and you're going to have to tell them the truth, how hard this business is. And they're not going to like you for it because they're most likely going to fail. Can you imagine like waking up every day with that stress? Screw that. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm all about helping people, but I reverse engineer it. So if we have a 95% failure rate, why don't I just go find the five or 10% people that really want to knock it out of the park? True. So why are we taking money if we know people are going to fail? And here's what all coaches tell you. Well, if the student take, they take action, like, no, no. When you shot a video and said, this is the easiest thing I've ever done. My, it's like flipping a house while sipping a margarita on the beach. That's an outright lie and you should be accountable for it. But the FTC yeah. doesn't come down on any of them for it. Unfortunate. Business is it, it's like so in every other business, you couldn't do it. And, you know, we talk about all the stuff going on, like how many people were teaching this crypto crap in real estate. You notice you want to hear one peep out of any of them now. Not one. Of course. And I told him, I go, man, stick to what you guys don't know, because this is terrible. So anyways, I stick to what I know best, which is wholesaling. So if you guys want to learn wholesaling, just go over to freewholesaling.com. I promise you there's no string to touch. And you get it going. So, okay, bud, have a good one. You as well. Okay, see you. Okay, guys, um, if you get a chance, make sure you're subscribed to this channel, the Rick Ginn YouTube channel. Make sure you check out my son on Zach Ginn. And then we'll be on, Zach will be on tomorrow um, with the cold calling. And then I will see you guys on Thursday and Friday. So, guys, go out there, get deals. You know how to do it. Let's go out there and get some deals. Have a good one, guys.